Very warm greetings to all in the blessed name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now imagine this, you sit in church, and then a letter is being read to the church. Well, you sit there and you listen. Well, for example, you're in the church of Philippi. Just bring yourself to imagine you're there. Then the letter to the the epistle, the letter to Philippians is being read across the pulpit, and that is what they usually do. They read the apostles' letters. And then you nod your head. Hmm, yes, you hear instruction. Hmm, you hear God's goodness. You thank God. And then you hear God's call to steadfastness. And then you vigorously nod your head and even look at one another and say, yes, we should be like that. And then you hear your name being read. You hear your name personally being read to the whole congregation. Well, you were sitting back, leaning back, listening, and suddenly your name is said across the airwave. You suddenly sit up. And then you know that you have been, well, laboring very hard, very sincerely, very diligently for the Apostle Paul, helping him. You know with a clear conscience, you have been a laborer, working till exhaustion for the work of God. So you're hoping for some commendation. Ah, the Apostle Paul called my name, and I know I've been working so hard. What is he saying? What is he going to say about me? Well, everyone is going to hear how a laborer I have been with him. And all of a sudden, it's not a commendation but a pleading to deal with certain sin in your life. This is not a small thing. This is read across the whole church. Now, this is exactly what happened in this chapter. Please turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, verse 2. Verse 2. As the letter is being read, these would be the very words that will be said across the pulpit. Of course, in Greek, all right, in Greek. I beseech Euodias. Wow, that's me. And look, it's repeated. I beseech Sinteke. Wow, beseech me what? Beseech me to work harder compared to how I've been doing so well already. No, I beseech thee that they be of the same mind in the Lord. There was a rebuke. There was an exhortation to fix this problem between these two women. How do we know they're women? Well, by their names. And of course, in verse 3, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. Help those women. You see, Paul says, who labored, in verse 5, Oh, sorry, in verse, verse 3, who labored with me in the gospel. Now, this word labor means labor till exhaustion. Very sacrificial. They labored till maybe like Euodias, uh, Epaphroditus, till they fell sick. But yet, it was not a commendation. Paul besieged. Euodias and beseech Sinteke, these two women. He turned to Sinteke. He turned to Euodias and Sinteke separately, meaning to say these two women have some problems between them that they would not resolve. Some disagreement, some... But these are personal issues. How do we know that? Because he did not condemn them for, well, not laboring. He said they are laborers. But there seem to be personal problems between these two interpersonal relationship issues. And he pleaded with, I don't know who this person is, verse 3, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. You see, not only turning to one, it's not one person's fault. He beseeched, the word was used twice, beseeched the other as well. Now he entreats, he also pleads with a person who is a true yoke fellow. Don't know what's his name. Some people say this is his name, yoke fellow. Right, but I don't think so. It's, he's referring to someone who probably has been spoken to about this issue. He said, I, I, I entreat you through your fellow. 
Now go and help those women. In other words, Paul said, it is so serious that I need you to intervene. Get them to resolve their problems. Now don't you think it's a bit strange? Paul, in verse 3, is writing about service. So he says, your fellow, he in um, Verse 3, your fellow, he talked about laborers, and he talked about Clement and other fellow laborers. He's talking about service for the ministry in the church. But suddenly he brings up personal issues. Say, so, well, Paul, you're not very nice, Paul. You know, it's not a personal issue. Why do you air it out in the whole congregation? You know letters are being are read across the congregation. Why would you not only bring it up, bring something unpleasant up, but name names and embarrass them. Come on, Paul, these are personal things. Now, what is the lesson, my friends? What is the lesson? Now, Paul just spoke about steadfastness. We preached and we learned about that last week. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Now he says, my dearly beloved, long for my joy, my crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. You see, he has such a tender love for them. He was not trying to embarrass and point out someone and shame them in public. He loved them so much. And one of the things he said, be steadfast. We learned what that was, unmovable, persevering all your life till the very end in loving, serving him faithfully. Now, but... How should we be steadfast? Look at verse chapter 4, verse 1 carefully. Now he say, So stand fast in the Lord. So stand fast in the Lord. Do not miss that word, so. So. Now he wanted them to know exactly how to stand fast. So he used the word, so. He's going to tell them, stand fast. How to stand fast? So. What is so? So is the following things. So for the weeks to come, we are going to learn how to stand fast. Because the so is referring to the things that to come. It's just like God said, for God so loved the world. How did he love the world? That he gave his only begotten son. That is how God loved. This is so. This is the way. So when he said, so stand fast, he's going to say, I'm going to tell you how to stand fast soon. And the very first thing that he brings up about standing fast, well, you would think is, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord, well, let your moderation be, well, pray, you know, be careful for nothing, and think of godly things. You would think that he would say, stand fast means all these things. But please, my dear hearers, this is a misconception that we have. Standing fast is often in our minds, well, my personal holy walk, my personal family life. This is well, standing fast in the Lord. But please know that the first thing that God wants to highlight in bringing up the soul, how to stand fast, the first thing is to deal with this problem of interpersonal disagreements, personal grudges, not getting along. This is the first thing. How many of us really relate, relate, link, standing fast, to what is the state of our interpersonal relationship is? How many of us really think that is important? Now, please note this. Paul did say that they labored with him. Now, meaning to say that as Christians, we can be really serving God very zealously. We can be people that really put our hands on our heart and say, according to my conscience, I'm clear. I really serve the Lord. People know that as well. But do you notice one thing? We can be personally walking godly walk, sacrificially serving, living rightly, coming to church. Whenever asked, can you serve in this? Yes. And whatever you do, you pour out your heart and soul diligently. But yet, it's not steadfast. It's not steadfast. It's common. I, can, I think you can relate. I've seen many of this in churches. 
people that during weekend surf, weekday surf, in at home, very, very committed Christians, laboring for the Lord, very committed at home in walking with the Lord as a single, very committed in, uh, in quiet time, in studying the word, as families, in family devotion, family worship, very committed. But you are not steadfast unless this very first thing is addressed. I have seen Christians who are like that, but are also well known to not to talk to certain, I don't talk to this person in church, hold grudge against someone else. But at the same time, they are exemplary servants in God's work. Could be church leaders, could be lay people, but are known to be people who are very angry at certain ones and don't engage with certain ones, pick and choose their friends. Now, God says that don't think that you are steadfast. You will fall. Don't fall into this miry pit. Don't fall into this very filthy sin of holding grudges. Don't think that just because, by and large, your life is doing well, personally, you are steadfast. You are not. Hence, God brought up the very first thing. Is this personal? It is a personal nature. If it's personal, why bringing up to church? Well, the answer is simple. Because it will affect the church. It will affect God's work. Why would Paul bring up these personal, interpersonal um, um, problems between two persons? It was problematic enough that would affect service, their own service and the service of the church. So much so that he sent someone, please get it fixed. It's just a matter of time if it doesn't get fixed. Satan will have a foot in the door. Have you not seen churches split? Not because of doctrinal issues, but simply because of interpersonal grudges. How do these things start? What are some of the problems? How do they impact church? What can we do? What must we do? First, we have established, I hope we change our mind. If I, if I have a spirit of your dias and sinteke. Means I know in my heart there are certain people in church I'm holding a grudge. I do not talk to them. Please don't ask me to work with them. Please don't put me in the same chalet as them in the camp. Please don't ever put me in the same car with them. Please don't ever put me in the same committee with them. I will serve, pastor, but please don't ever ask me to work with this person. Well, you may not say it out, but in your heart, that is what you are. If you're a person who have the spirit of Eurydice and syndicate, you're very willing to do anything, but please just, certain people I do not talk to. For whatever reason, if that exists in you, please listen carefully. You will impact the church eventually. If you are not, well, don't be surprised that one day something may happen and you become a Udias of Sinteke. Now, we have to acknowledge one thing. No matter how good a Christian we are, no matter how willing we are to serve, one thing is true about us in the human flesh still. We are not perfectly sinless as long as we engage with people. Don't talk about serve. As long as we interact with people, Misunderstandings can arise. Miscommunications can arise. Well, you say, it is true. But in our case, it's not miscommunication. Misunderstanding is real. The person insulted me. The person did this and that. It is inevitable. We are all sinners saved by grace. Frictions, problems can occur. 
maybe misunderstanding, or maybe even genuine, it occurs. Now, with that, then we have to be realistic. Be realistic. Knowing that that can happen, how should we think when these things happen? How should we respond? Now, before we go to that, let us consider what are some behaviors. Now, here, God did not reveal exactly what the problem was. All he says in his word is, there are problems to be resolved between these two. Please get it resolved. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't seem to be a work service-related thing, a church-related thing, but it seems to be personal. How do these things occur? Where do they occur? Not often it occurs at a personal level first, before it reaches to a church level, personal level. Even at home. This is a church problem. Now, I do not know. Maybe you were Dias and Sintike. They could be brothers. Uh, so they could be siblings, for all you know. What was the problem? God did not reveal. But the general instruction is resolve and repent. At a personal level. Now, even at home, spouses. They're obviously not spouses, right? But it applies to interpersonal problems at home. Have you reached a stage at home where some disagreement occurred with your spouse and then it went on? And then you began, it began to fester, all right? And you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to deal with it because every time you deal with it, the disagreement gets worse. Both do not want to budge. What happens after that? Now, this is the same for siblings, all right? Arguments, unhappiness, disagreements. Don't see eye to eye. Then siblings begin to have these interpersonal problems at home. For singles, interpersonal with your family members as well, maybe with your parents. What will happen next is this. You may be a good Christian, you may be very willing to serve and obedient in many areas, but the moment it comes to this person, you're another creature that festers, and every time the person does something, you will jump to conclusion in your mind. There, that person goes again. You see, it happens to the best of Christians. Know that. It has reached a point for these two persons where they don't seem to be talking, where a third party, a yoke fellow, had to be drawn in to get them. Now, this word help means like pull together, to pull them together. They don't want to even look at each other. Pull them together in a room. Sometimes parents need to do that, you know, right? Sometimes pastors have to do that with husbands and wives. They come to church together, they sit in the same car, same car together, but they are really people that have already formed such a barrier towards each other. You're just existing together, that's all just tolerating at best one another, siblings as well. Well, something happened and then you form that, that idea. Maybe it's genuine. The person was unkind to you, was, was insulting. Then you hold that in your heart and you always see them only in one light. You know, when you take a photograph and then fix, that is the picture. Versus you take a video, it's moving, it's live, the scene changes, the person says different things. Now, this seems to have happened to you and Dyson Sintike. Uh, it's a picture that's all fixed already about your spouse, about your children, about your parents, about your siblings, about someone else. It could be that. Or it could be envy, jealousy in church. It could be that. Now, Paul has spoken about unity. Right, today's title is Steadfastness in Unity. Look at chapter 1, please. Chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, else 
uh, that whether I, be, I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, and then Paul talked in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 as well. You see, Paul established the doctrine first. He established the doctrine of having one mind, serving together for the gospel. Then in chapter 2, talking about love for others. Then talking about being one accord in verse, chapter 2, verse 2. And talking about, let nothing be done through strife and vain glory, but loneliness of mind, esteem, esteem other better than themselves. You see, he kept establishing the doctrines. And now, he's going to be very specific about the application. That is his style. That is God's use of him. Now, our friends, dear friends, we can talk about all these doctrines. But when the rubber hits the road, you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, do I have the spirit of Eudaius and Sinteke in me? This is reality. I have to apply it to my home. Now, Christian families, I want to ask you this question. You can be serving in church. You can be very kind and loving to others. But as long as you have a relationship in your life, and usually it's at home because, well, the, the world saying goes. Familiarity breeds contempt. Even the world understands that characteristic, sinful characteristic of men. As long as at home, there is this attitude, there is this problem. You have to deal with it. It is very fake. It is very illogical. It is very insincere. It's very counter-logic. Um, that you're so nice in church to people. Oh, you need help. Don't worry, I'll come. Always seeking out people, talk to them, can talk very long with them, listen to them, help them. But the moment you step home, you have this unresolved problem with your wife, your husband, your children, your parent, your sibling, one another. It's not natural. The extension of the application is this. This problem is in church. What is it at home? Like, my friends, when you have this problem, it will affect your home. Whether married or single. And when your life at home is affected, your service to God is with stained hands. That is why Paul says, please address interpersonal issues. You labor very hard, but I do not want you to waste your labor. You, do, you cannot keep serving with grudges in your heart. You cannot keep walking your Christian walk steadfast in many areas, but when it comes to interpersonal, you as if you think as if it's nothing to do with steadfastness. You can't continue like that. Deal with it. The first thing you deal with is that before I talk to you about rejoicing, before I talk to you about let your moderation be known, before I talk to you about prayer, before I talk to you about your thought life, before I talk to you about all these things to be steadfast in, please go home and deal with your relationship problems. It is very odd, my friends. You have to admit, how can I be so fake? I'm so nice and kind with people in church, but I'm not like that at home. Siblings. You have Christian siblings, or you have non-Christian siblings. If you cannot have that kind of love, kindness, forgiveness with siblings, you have to admit that all these things outside the church, you have to dig deep inside and admit, I am false. Because blood must be thicker than water, right? Naturally. I am so fake, God. Please help me change. Alright, so that is the home, for example. Well, church. Church. Is it what Paul mentioned in chapter 1 and 2? Is it envy? Is it pride? Is it jealousies? Whatever these two persons were doing, we do not know, but they are hard workers. Could it be that they were in a similar kind of ministry? And then there were jealousies, envy. Very often that is, as we've often said, the big problem. When you serve, people in the music ministry don't get jealous of people in the uh, kitchen ministry. People in the kitchen ministry don't get jealous of people in the transport ministry and so on and so forth. All right, people in teaching ministry, not jealous of the music ministry. But the moment people are of the same ministry, competition, 
arises. Now, that's why God says in chapter 1, verse 30, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 3, esteem other better than themselves. Have that attitude. Is that the problem? Be honest. Are you someone that keeps looking? How the teacher teaches? Hmm, I want to do better. How, well, you know, the young people seem to gravitate towards the other. Hmm, I want their attention. You know, one of the big problems in church ministries, if you're honest, is this, the youth ministry. The youth ministry is often fraught with problems. The common problems across churches is this. Whoever is in the ministry wants the young people to look up to them, wants the young people to, to turn to them, to admire them, to see them as their leader. It's very common in churches. People outside the ministry love attention of the young people. They love it. That is the nature of, of, of humans. They love that attention. Be very careful if you're in young people's ministry. If you look with an envying eye, eh? young people talking to that one, not to me. Then you start acting. In the past, never talk to them. They're suddenly very interested in talking to those. I've mentioned before, in mother's fellowship in churches, it's the same. Women get together. See, the thing about women is, as mentioned here, women have in great intuition. It can be a great plus or a great negative to you. Right? So men, women have good intuition. They can sense things. They observe. They are very observant. They notice things. When we work together in committees, women will notice details. Women will think about, hey, how, do, how would that person feel and all that? They're sensitive to these things. This can be a very big plus, but it can also be a very big negative. Jealousies, envies also can arise. You notice more than others. By the way, you know in verse 2, uh, in verse 3, Clement is a man. <laughs> when it comes to Clement, well, help him to serve. When it comes to women, resolve their problems. Now, I'm not degrading women. What I'm saying is men can be very dense. Right? The opposite. Very dense. Don't know, don't care, just barge and do things and offend people and cause problems. Right? But the point is this. If God, whether men or women, gives us that sensitivity and, and intuition, use it very carefully. Mother's group can be big problems in many churches. Now, I'm very thankful for our mother's group. I've said this many times. I've helped in, I've seen in churches the problems that occur. But in our Mother's Fellowship, all the while, from the time it started, change hands and all that, it's always working for the good of God's sheep. That's all. No, no, no envies, no jealousies, that kind of thing, right? It's very precious in the church. But the moment there is, problems will arise. What kind of problems? You see, when... People can't get along. When people look at each other with suspicion, when people make it very clear, I don't, I don't like certain people. What will happen to the church? Like what will happen at home? What will happen at home? Your spiritual work will be impacted. No matter how, how you think you're steadfast, God says it is impacted already. Deal with it. Now in the church, the same. Now how do churches get impacted when these things happen? Interpersonal problems. How does the church get affected? You know, sometimes church leaders spend inordinate amount of time, energy, in resolving interpersonal problems rather than serving, rather than improving the service of God. Just spending time trying to fix those things. Now, it should not be. It should not be that whenever we organize Anniversary dinner. Oh, cannot put this person in this person. They are, they, they are loggerheads. You know, there'll, be, there'll be problems at that table. It should not be that. Never in a church. This is what God is trying to deal with. Sometimes, you spend, sometimes churches can spend a lot of energy 
in organizing camp. Well, this person cannot be that chalet, you know. What I tell you, in the morning, uh, there'll be a big fight. There'll be fireworks in the, in the chalet. It should not be like that. Better don't put these two persons in the same committee. They cannot get along. It should not be like that. Was it the case in Sinteke and Iodias? Great as individuals, but cannot work with people. And then church just spent energy, time, distraction, trying to resolve all these things. When people do not get along, it has severe impact. Not just on your personal life, your spiritual work, but on the church. Now, but please don't misunderstand. Please don't misunderstand. Because once, someone came up to me and quoted this verse. I beseech Eodais and beseech Sinteke that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, it is no secret that there were lots of problems when I first came in the session, right? Tons of it. The family member of the person and the person himself preached this at a fellowship and said, you and I must get along. I said, I want to get along. You can't imagine how much I want to get along. You can't imagine how much I want to have unity. But please, please look at verse 2. That they be of the same mind, full stop? No, in the Lord, in the Lord. Paul has just mentioned in chapter 3, verses 18 to 19, about, well, enemies of the cross, about people who preach another gospel, constantly arguing about who can come to this pulpit and preach. Then I was not the pastor. Why don't you allow this person? I said, because this person disagrees that the Bible is perfect, believes that the Bible can't be known perfectly. There are errors. I said, you cannot let such a person who denies the inerrancy and utter perfectness of the Word of God in Hebrew and Greek language to preach on the pulpit. You see, this unity must be in the Lord. I want peace. We must all want peace, but never at the expense of doctrinal truth. Never. So don't misunderstand that. I point the person this in the Lord. And there are enemies of the cross of Christ. Christ say, my word is perfect and will be perfect through eternity. But no, you say something else. You see, Christians, we do not like these battles. We do not like these arguments. But we cannot say, let's compromise the truth. Please remember that. And other applications you can think of when it comes to doctrinal truth. So Paul is not saying unity at all costs. Paul makes sure he put in the Lord. Doctrinally sound, according to the word. Focus on Christ. Now, so, I want to make that clear, alright? Now, now we have to ask ourselves, how, how, how can I contribute to this steadfastness? How can I fix this steadfastness in my life, I know I am serving, I know I am working as best as I can personally with the Lord, with the Lord. but now today I realize one thing. As long as I still have that spirit of Eurodias and Sintike in me, I need to fix this. That's the first thing I want to fix. I must fix. Before I think about the rest of the soul. Well, the answer is found here. How to fix it? Well, first and foremost, you, want, you must realize that it impacts the work of God. You must acknowledge that it impacts the Word of God, the work of God, all right? Well, we talk more about that after, but very quickly. Now, look, the first solution, the first solution, look at how Paul puts it. Well, be of the same mind. Chapter 4, verse 2, be of the same mind. What is that talking about? He just mentioned, my friends, now please look at verse 20, chapter 3, verse 20. We look for our, uh, our conversation is in heaven, your heavenly citizenship. We all are heaven, citizens of heaven. As citizens of heaven, we have joint purposes, 
common purpose. Be of the same mind. When Paul said, ask them be of the same mind, have focus on the same thing. Start to put aside your personal differences, things which does not matter to truth. Your personal preferences and so on. Maybe these two ladies work, they have their own way of working. They just don't like to change it. So put it, can you put it aside and focus for the progress of the work of God? Stop vying, stop fighting, stop envying, stop being jealous, stop trying to get attention of the young people, of other ladies, about the, of, of the elders. Stop that. Focus on the work of God moving forward. Stop picking and picking and picking. Focus. So he said, have the same focus on the purpose as heavenly citizens. Now, what is the next thing? As citizens of heaven, remember that then you have a master. You have a king of this kingdom. You are servants of the most high and holy king. Behave like one. He is not just a high king, he's a holy king. This spirit of unforgiveness, spirit of pettiness, you're better than that. Christ saved you to be better than that. Behave as citizens of heaven. Now, you know, when you read about the Second World War or some other wars, you can have people from different nations speaking different languages, or have different culture, have different habits, have different backgrounds, different preferences, different diet, different colors of skin. But you can put them together. And when their focus is clear, what they're trying to achieve, and their high and laudable purpose, they can work together, they can fight side by side. Nothing of all the differences can come in place. They are very strong and they can not only defend, but they can defeat the enemies and have victory. We've seen that in the world. But the moment they lose focus on their purpose and they look inwards, this is my culture, you know, this is my preference, you know, this is what well, you've offended me, you know. They begin to look inwards. They begin to pick on one another. They begin to have preconceived false accusation of others. They begin to band together. Not only competition grows, conflict grows, factions grows. Then very soon they lose the battle. You see, no matter what background you are, or what preferences you are, as long as you remember, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm a heavenly citizen. I put aside all this for the sake and the purpose of the furtherance of gospel. I don't want to be a burden to the church. I don't want to be a problem to the church. I want to focus on the task at hand. Now then, what else? What else? Look quickly. The other one. In verse 4, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women. Well, before that, I beseech Eudias and beseech Sinteke. And then he said, I entreat thee, help these ones. Now, what should we do? How can I contribute to steadfastness? Respond to counseling, respond to help. I've been in situations where there are conflicts between Christians. I try to pull them in the room and get them to talk. Some successful. They humble themselves and say, for the work of God, let's, let's, let's just put it aside. Let's, let's move forward and work together and focus on what to do together. Rather than keep bringing up the past, you are, you remember, you, you remember, sometimes in that long hours, you are, but pastor, you know, that's what he said, that's what, it goes on and on. Put it aside. 
respond. Paul said, I will send this true yoke fellow to you. I read it publicly. This yoke fellow will come to you, will pull you together. Can you please respond? When your daddy and mommy say, please stop being, acting like your enemies at home. You are Christians. I know of Christians. Someone said, I have not talked to my brother since primary school. Some argument since primary school. I'm not kidding, right? You want to know who you can ask me. But it's not good for me to name them. But the person since primary school. And he came here for university. For university. But finally he realized that, wow, I didn't know this was so wrong. He thought it was normal. You have siblings argument, siblings argument. Nothing wrong. I just live my Christian life. He lives his Christian life. We don't bother one another. We don't bother one another. It's good enough. No. Paul says, fix it. And if you don't, I'll ask someone to fix it. When daddy and mommy say, stop behaving like your enemies. You are citizens of heaven. You're supposed to walk side by side. You're supposed to fight the battle of Christ side by side. Support one another, alongside one another. Not treat each other as enemy. How are you going to be used of God? When daddy and mommy says that, when your parents are not Christian, here the word of God is saying to you, please go home and fix it. It has to do with your steadfastness. Remember that. Now then, look at verse 3. What else? What else? I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow. Now here, Paul is now turning to another person. He dealt with Eurydice and Syntyche. Now he turned to a, yoke, a true yoke fellow. How can I contribute to steadfastness? Be a true yoke fellow. Be a true yoke fellow. Because Paul also entreated him, chapter, chapter 4, verse 3, I entreat thee, what this, what's the word he uses? Also. All of us also have a part to play in contributing to steadfastness. Don't look at others and say, yeah, 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 Pastor, yeah, yeah, I know that two women, uh, the two guys, uh, those two children. Don't just look at that. Paul says, now you be a true yoke fellow. I entreat you also. Every Christian has a part to play in church. What is true yoke fellow? And what is he supposed to do? Now, true yoke fellow means be a sincere. True is sincere. Without hypocrisy, without agendas, genuine. What is yoke fellow? Now, there's no English word to describe it, and the King James translators have to use as close as possible to the Greek word. Yoke, yoke means this Greek word has you're tied together, you will be together. Fellow has to do with fellowship. Now, if you begin to realize your steadfastness has to do with being a true yoke fellow, before you jump to your thought life and all that, are you interested in this steadfastness? You must be. Now, true, maybe I'll put it this way. It is very difficult to find true yoke fellows. Paul found one, and Paul found him so useful. What do I mean? It's very difficult to get people to be able to step in to help the church resolve interpersonal problems. Very difficult. Some people like to do that, but they're busy bodies. Hey, Pastor, what happened to that one? What happened to this one? They find out, they find out, find out. They're not interested to help. They just want to know the gossip. That's all. Be a true yoke follower, a genuine desire to help, not to love to find out more. Very difficult to find people like that. Be one like this, like that. Right? Don't keep volunteering. I want to help, I want to help. When you're approached, like Paul, he approached this one. Genuine, sincere, no agendas. No agendas at all. What is this word yoke? Be someone that works well with other people. Very rare also. Very rare also. Be someone that says, Lord, I want, I want to work with people. I realize now, I, I, used to, I, don't want to, I don't want to be with this person. I don't want to be in that community because of this person. 
I have people who say, I do not want to be in that worship service because that person is in that worship service or in that fellowship. As long as you stay that way, you have no stability. Say, God, enough. I used to pick and choose who I work with, who I stay with, who I travel with. But Lord, no more, no more. I want to be a true, not only true, but a yoke person who is not just willing to serve myself, but ready to work with people, ready to put aside differences, ready to put aside personal, interpersonal problems. I want to be such a person at home, at church. At home is not fixed, it will happen in church. Believe me that. Now, next one, fellow. Fellow means I will engage. Fellowship. I will engage with others. I will stop being a person that, again, pick and choose. I like this kind of people. I talk to them. I work with them. I look for them after service. I'm not interested in anywhere, anyone else. You see how difficult it is to find true yoke fellow that can contribute to steadfastness of the church? Very, very few. How can you be such a person? Well, not only be ready to resolve and help others, not out of a busy body attitude. Look at what Paul says. Help those, uh, sorry, also help with Clement also. Can you help me with Clement also? And with other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Can you also help me with them? What is he saying? A true yoke fellow is someone who wants, who will help others be even more successful in serving God. Don't be someone who's envious and jealous. Be someone who's very keen to help others do better. You see, Paul could trust this true yoke fellow. Do not know who he exactly is. But Paul rather mentioned his qualities than his name. Go and help my fellow workers. You know, most Christians must realize this. We are very different. God functions very differently with us from the world. You gain rewards. Not that you work for rewards. You gain God's praise. God will use you more. When you help others become more successful, like here, help them. They're already very successful in helping Paul. Help them be more successful. But in the world, you help someone else, you lose your reward. That is why we, pick, we work like the world. For the Christian, it's completely opposite. The more you try to make yourself better than others in church, the faster you lose your reward and usefulness. It's the opposite. The Christian must realize that if you want to be a true yoke fellow, be ready to be someone that is in the background. As long as I can do anything, as long as I do something that can help the other person in the community to better, I don't get any credit. It's fine, Lord, it's fine, because it is always about your work, your sheep, your kingdom. It is fine, Lord. I'm not going to kick a fuss in church and then, then draw factions to myself and then keep complaining and then cause the church to have problems. I'm not going to be like that, Lord. No one named my name after church camp. Fine, Lord. But I'm the one who worked the hardest. But it's okay, Lord. I'm so glad I helped the committee to be more successful. Be a true yoke fellow. That's how you contribute to unity. Steadfastness of unity. Stop always looking at the side of your eye. Stop harboring this unforgiving spirit. Stop always suspecting and jumping to conclusion and have evil thoughts and accusation of others. Just simply focus on the Lord and His work and help others. And if you are uh, having that spirit of your diocese and syndicate, fix it. You can't be a true yoke fellow if you don't even fix that in the first place. Church will be very different. Very different. I'm thankful we do not have severe issues now. But this message, I hope, will resound in your heart when Satan begins to want to make you his servant to do his work and disrupt your family, disrupt your church. You recognize that. But I close with this question, or with this statement, rather. Please don't look for steadfastness. Please don't solve interpersonal problems at home, at work, at church, simply because you do not want high blood pressure, you know? Well, I like God's word, you know? Wow, you know, I'm going to fix all this. Oh, my blood pressure went down. Oh, there's peace at home. So much happier home life now. 
That is, those are just side effects, my Christian friends. Those are just side effects. Even the peace in church are side effects. Paul related all this to his fellow workers. It is about the work of God. Please don't seek all this to have better health. You know, many people attend all this meditation, all these talks on how to improve interpersonal relationship at home between siblings, between wives, between friends for a better health. It is not about that. What is it about? Look at verse chapter 4. Verse 3. Your names are written in the book of life. You are a Christian. You can change. Don't say you cannot. Your name is in the book of life. You can change. But you only want to change. You only want to change. If you remember, book of life means citizenship in heaven. Citizenship in heaven means it's not about me anymore. It is not about me. My home is not about me. When it is not about you, you stop being, being such a picky person. Church is not about me. When you remember that, your name is in the book of life. Remember this. Your dias in Sinteke name is written in the scriptures which last forever and ever into eternity. Please don't think that not resolving interpersonal problems and say, I'm godly enough. Eh, Pastor, keep insisting on this. Please don't think it is unimportant. It's important enough to be number one, brought up under soul. Number two, important enough that their names are engraved in scriptures and the impact on them is in eternity. Are they saved? Yes, their names are in the book of life. But forever and ever, their problem is recorded. Your name may not be recorded there, my friend, but if you think, no one knows and no one cares. But into eternity, you will always look back and say, if only I paid attention and bothered about that. And start saying, I won't pick and choose. I won't keep saying, I won't stay with this person. I won't work with that person. I only talk to a certain person. If only I listen to that, I won't stand in heaven forever. And said, well, my name was not there, but Christ knew I was exactly that through eternity as well. This is important enough, my friends, for it to be here forever engraved in God's word. Your name is in the book of life. The last thing is this. It is all about heaven and its kingdom's work. You will only want to change at home, at work, uh, sorry, in church, you will only want to change if you love God's kingdom. I say that again. Paul was not trying to improve church life. Paul was not trying to improve family life. Paul was not trying to improve their health by asking them to solve this kind of bitterness, holding grudges in their life. Paul was concerned about whether the church will last. Before I deal with all your personal steadfastness, what good is it if the church fails? My friends, Paul was mainly concerned about the kingdom's work. So will you love the kingdom of God enough to change? Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. The closing hymn. I love thy kingdom, Lord, Two hundred. And 62, 262, I love thy kingdom. Let us rise, 262.